Welcome to the Canvas Rebel Podcast, where we believe your story matters. Your viewpoint and your insights matter. In our view, there is far too much coverage of the trends that ivory tower professors and billionaire fund managers are seeing. What's the edge in hearing the billionaire consensus view over and over again? The edge comes from hearing new perspectives and new information, like from the wedding planner who's worked with hundreds of couples during the pandemic and has noticed that new couples are allocating significantly more of their wedding budgets on small details like personalized neon signs, or hearing from an accountant who's seeing how there is a huge uptick in e-commerce clients generating revenue from in-person pop-ups. Those sorts of insights are what Canvas Rebel is all about. And today, Madison is chatting with some of our content partners about trends and lessons learned. Content partners help us in so many ways from sponsoring our mission to spreading the word about the work that we do and collaborating with us on content like this. And so with no further ado, here's Madison with today's panel. Hi, everyone. My name is Madison. I am so, so excited to be back with another episode of our podcast talking about mental health, lessons, insights, and discussion points for 2023. This is a hot topic on the podcast. We've had a few mental health-based episodes thus far, and these are honestly some of my favorite because I feel like I have such a great takeaway from the episodes, and I know our listeners will too. So I have four very talented and wise individuals here with me today. I would love to get started with some introductions. Sure. My name is Myesha Jones. I'm the owner of Myesha Marie Counseling and Consulting. Um, I'm based here in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm working with children, um, yet my practice, outside of working with children in Houston, my practice serves creatives. So I bring like creativity to mental health. I work with um, the creative community, those they may um, identify with um, like in the arts. So those are, that's my, my, uh, my population. But yeah, I've been in the mental health field for over 10 years and yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm happy to have you. Hi, I'm Shakita Owens. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Uh, I'm a speaker as well. Um, I'm the owner of Abundance of Hope Counseling. And I am located in Corinth, Texas, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Um, I've been in private practice since 2009. Uh, I'm uh, working um, currently with uh, mental health and trauma um, and those clients that are having the bariatric surgery. I'm a bariatric counselor as well. And so I've been spending a lot of time networking uh, with my doctors and um, those in that field. And I also work, um, my original background initially was working a lot with children, uh, dealing with trauma. Uh, work and work with foster care in that area. And so part of um, um, what I'm looking at is the correlation of childhood trauma and how it affects, you know, individuals once they get to adulthood uh, and also uh, with uh, metabolic diseases. And so that is an area that I'm focusing in. um, And I do a lot of advocacy uh, with different organizations such as the Bill Henson Foundation and also um, MTV, who's having a mental health action day coming up in May. And so I, I, I I've been trying to get away, uh, from the younger crowd, but it, they <laughs> stuck there. So I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm doing both, uh, with the younger adults as well. That's amazing. Wonderful. And I'm Dr. Nakisha Hammond. I'm a psychologist, author, 
and speaker on mental health topics. I've been in private practice um, since 2009 as well. Uh, my specialty area is children and teens, psychological evaluations, evaluating for ADHD, learning disabilities, or gifted testing. And, um, and when I'm not in the office, I spend my time um, traveling to different communities and speaking about mental health, specifically children's mental health, and how we can best improve their lives. I love that. Right on. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Furnival. I am at LPCC in California, and I've been in the field for almost 15 years now. Before having my own children, I always worked in community mental health and hospital programs with youth. I worked with zero to five, as well as five-year-olds to 21-year-olds and their families. Nowadays, now that I have my own kids, I stay home with them during the day, but in the evening, I provide telehealth to moms. And then I also, during the day, am writing. So I am the author of the children's social-emotional learning book series called Capable Kiddos that I've published with PESI. And um, I have two books out and one more on the way, as well as a therapeutic in-session tool for therapists to use with their child clients to help them figure out their big feelings. So that that's me. <laughs> That's amazing. Man, I'm already feeling inspired and we haven't even gotten to any questions yet. You are all just so talented and have so much wisdom to share. I'm excited to dive right in. My first question will we'll ease into things here. What does mental health mean to you? Whoever wants to go first, feel free to just chime in. I love that question because to me, every single person on the planet has mental health. I think, unfortunately, in a lot of communities, when we hear mental health, uh, we tend to think about the most extreme forms of mental health, the most extreme mental health disorders. But really, every single person has mental health. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how are we coping with things? How are we dealing with life? How are mm -hmm. we taking care of ourselves? Um, so it's a pretty broad definition, but it definitely applies to everyone. Yeah, well said. I agree with that. I think our ideal mental health, what we're striving for is wellness in terms mm. of our feelings. And by that, both our emotions and our body sensations Yeah. Uh, in terms of the way that we think, whether it's helpful or not, and then um, how we act and what we yeah. do. And it can either be a positive feedback loop where we're perpetuating more health or a negative feedback loop where we're perpetuating less health or more illness. Yeah. And so mental health for me is the way that we see the world, the way that we interact with the world, the way that we interpret and perceive our experiences and then what yeah. we do with them. So I totally agree. Everyone has that. We all interact with the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would just piggyback off of what Christina just shared. I think uh, for me, uh, one of the things that I tend to run into, you know, even in my in my session, you know, I've had a lot of clients say, well, I didn't I didn't have a thought about that, you know, and I'm like, we have thoughts. Um, you wouldn't have if there wasn't uh, a thought, then there wasn't there wouldn't be a feeling or there, would, there yeah. wouldn't be a behavior. There wouldn't be an action. So we all have thoughts. And I think, um, you know, mental health to me is just being able to dig into to understanding what <laughs> those thoughts are and being able to connect with those emotions and mm -hmm. then, um, have some type of plan in place as to how you choose to react in those yes. situations. But I mean, mental health, um, like Christina said, you know, is definitely a form of wellness and just yep. being able to be content uh, with who you are. Um, Absolutely. Being able to love on yourself. So, yeah. Very well said. Yeah, I agree with um, what the other panelists have also shared. Mental health is, everyone has mental health. Um, it doesn't 
just fit just one demographic. Um, I think as a over as my career as a social worker and working with the children, I think working and working with the parents, I think I share with the parents like children have mental health as well. Yeah. And like different situations and different mm-hmm. um life events can also affect the mental health of, of that child and things like that. But yes, mental health is is, is, is wellness and everyone has it even a child doesn't have a demographic it's a basic need today yeah. Yeah. absolutely my next question how do you each create meaningful connections through your work I would just share that um, for me I, I and I think for me it's more of how I look at my work mm. and I look at my work from more of a spiritual perspective mm. Because for me, my work is more of a ministry for me um, as me, you know, with going out and helping and being a helper, helper, being a servant. And so I'm able to connect on that level. Um, And then just knowing that, you know, sometimes in life that your misery is your ministry and that you do and and, and your purpose in life um, extends far more than just having a job or having a career. And you got to have some type of connection and some type of foundation that you can relate to um, so that it can be fulfilling for you. Yeah. I think I show up in my in my work. I just want to be authentic, be myself and yeah. mm-hmm. working with children, working with parents, working with my the people that I serve. I often hear that they feel like mental health or mental health resources aren't really available to them. Mm. And they kind of felt like they were isolated in a way. So they all have these, these, these struggles and they are going through them like alone until they come into like a social worker um, that provides like that. This opens it up a little bit more for them. It makes it, makes it fun, makes it okay. Um, yeah. To, to break that barrier down. I think that kind of gets into the stigma too of mental health, but just, just be myself, um, be myself. I share my, my knowledge, my education, but just also be myself uh, when, I, um, when I'm working with my, my families. Or- yeah, and I think that speaks volumes to who you are because when you have that level of authenticity, it translates into approachability with your clients and, and therapy and mental health practice becomes something that is not really big and, and scary and overwhelming. It's, it's just a simple face-to-face, you know, conversation, um, opening that door, allowing somebody to come in and be vulnerable and creating a safe space for them. So I think that's everything you said. It's wonderful. We know that the therapeutic relationship has more of an impact on a client's progress and movement through treatment than the therapeutic approach specifics do. And so that ties into that, this need to be authentic. I think therapists of the past, and unfortunately how therapists are often portrayed still in the media are very stoic. Um, There's not much connection there. And of the colleagues that I have and the people like yourselves that we're talking with today, there's so much more authenticity. And we do have intentional self-disclosure. We have moments where we're really trying to build a strong and genuine therapeutic alliance with our clients, as well as with our uh, professional relationship with our colleagues. So that way, I mean, we're all in this to help. We're all in this to make a difference. And you can't do that if you're not giving yourself in that way to to, to your work. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree with everyone. Um, and add as well, as far as meaningful connections, I think it's really, you know, in your office, if you will, with clients or patients that you work with. And also what's great about mental health is we have an opportunity outside of our offices too, like in the community to be making meaningful connections, whether it's through volunteering, or I know some of us were saying books or doing, you know, working with MTV or, you know, what, like whatever other, there, there are just so many, uh, so many communities right now that need strongly need information about mental health and are looking yeah. to experts. So making those meaningful connections with, um, with other community members is just a way we can hopefully be fulfilled, right? And also help our communities. Yeah, absolutely. My next question, this is kind of a big ticket question I've asked on a few episodes previously. And one of my favorites to ask thus far, how can we break the stigma surrounding mental health? What does that mean? I I think exactly what Dr. Hammond just said, you know, that, that whole being able to be in the community, being able to just be out there advocating, um, and normalizing it, you know, normalizing it and letting people know that it's okay to talk about how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were, were not raised like that. You know, the cultural right. differences as well, being able to um, respect the cultural differences, um, I think is one thing, but being able to normalize it because we have a lot of uh, older people that uh, are not, <laughs> or not have, have taught their children not to, right. to express themselves. And so now that they're adults, they don't know how to get out of that. They don't, yeah. they don't know how to, and it's almost like a bondage, you know, like how do yeah. I get to this place of being able to do this therapy without worried about what everybody thinks yeah. or they're going to think I'm weak, you know? So I think being able to normalize it and just have open up the conversation like we're doing right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the first step would to, would to, to overcome the stigma is to identify the stigma that mm. is attached with mental health. Like Dr. or Shakita was saying, like within the older population, there may be some pushback or they may not be able to feel as open to engage in mental health services. Mm-hmm. Um, but just talking, I guess just talking about it and yeah. what is the stigma? What's holding you back from mental health? What does mental health mean to you within yeah. our different populations that we're working with? Um, so just identifying the stigma talking about it and bringing our resources to the forefront and allowing that person to to be knowledgeable about those resources and having conversations like this too is so powerful yeah podcasts social media you know social media has a lot of negatives but it also has a lot of positives and one of them is there are so many accounts that you can follow where you feel like that person gets you, that yes. person understands your struggle. Um, also, the therapists that are on social media that share their own struggles, just because we're therapists or practicing in the mental health field doesn't mean we're these perfect, I don't know, ideals of, of how yeah. people can handle life. We have our own struggles too. And I think sharing that and admitting that mm-hmm. um, right after I had my kids, I went through postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that inspired me to write a blog for moms about all sides of motherhood and not yeah. just this glorified image that we have. And it hopefully is very relatable in that way that, you know, I can have all these tools and yes, I have this training background, but we're all humans together and we all go through these tough mm-hmm. times 
and everyone could use support. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely strongly agree that the transparency is really what mm-hmm. reduces the stigma. I love, love, especially when celebrities are on social media and they're saying like, I went to therapy, I was depressed, yes. I was anxious or whatever it is, because of course they have huge influence yes. right, on other communities. So I love to hear that, see that um, we need, and we also need more education of what, what mental health symptoms are, because a lot of times when a child, well, I'll talk about kids because that's my specialty area, but when a child is going through anxiety or depression or whatever it is that they're experiencing, they don't understand what's going on with them. The family may not understand what's going on with them, but if they had the education, not necessarily to diagnose their child, but at least to say, wait mm-hmm. a minute, this is a warning sign. Let me take them to a mental health professional. Yes. Um, then we can work on sort of reducing the stigma and just instead of just saying like, oh, they're just a bad child right now. Right. right? right. We can recognize that it's it's okay if they're yeah. not okay mm-hmm. right now. Absolutely. I love that. My next question is mental health generational. If so, how can we break the so-called generational curse? I think Shakita was kind of speaking on that a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah. The older generation with it being generational and mental health being generational. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, and and in my mind, when you said the curse, I mean, it just that just took me straight yeah, to the aspect yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. That just took, but I know everybody is not on that page. Yeah, but it just took me straight to the, to that part of it, you know. And I mean, depending upon um, when I'm working with my clients, depending upon what their spiritual beliefs are, then I know how what angle to come from. Yeah, uh, because I do Christian therapy as well, and so I can come from a spiritual. Uh, perspective when we're talking about generational curses. But I think that, you know, just in general on this platform today, when we look at uh, those generational, I think it's more of unlearned, unlearning those behaviors. Mm-hmm. And the per- the individual has to be in a place to where they, um, and I'm just going to say where they're able to even acknowledge that it's a problem because when things yeah. are traditional and generational, that's the norm, you know, that's what we do. And right. so, think that uh, them coming to an understanding that this is not normal, uh, you know, what we're doing. This is not normal that I can't talk about my feelings and express how I feel. Yeah. So now that I know that it's not normal, what do I do about it? What mm-hmm. resources is out there, you know, and how do I get past again uh, what my family is going to think about me even taking this first step? Yeah. That holds a lot of people back. Yeah, I agree. Um to your point is is mental health generation I would say it is um I will I'm reflecting on conversations with my mom with my grandmother and even my grandmother's conversation with her mother about things that could have been going on in the family and different beliefs family beliefs um and a conversation with my mom when I graduated from grad school I'm gonna be a social worker I'm a therapist and it was still some like pushback there, like what? Like you could just go to church and what kind of what were you gonna do with that? And I'm just yeah. like, there's more to that now, mom. Like it's so much more to just you know going to church. We we gotta have other things like in place today, yeah. and you know it's it's important. So it, it can be um, generational. It's it's hard too to unlearn yeah. some things. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, learn some things and apply new habits and beliefs 
our our children as they're growing up they're a mix of nature and nurture and mm-hmm. so they not only are the living proof of what we're modeling for them in their environment but they also hold genetic predispositions or vulnerabilities that mm-hmm. we passed along and so the idea of, of everything being generational makes so much sense because it's just so multifactorial. Mm. Like you guys said, there's the cultural aspect, there's the stigma aspect, there's your specific family and their beliefs and their values around all of it. And you do a lot of times as a child, you develop coping mechanisms that are based on survival in your own house. Right. Oh, absolutely. And then you enter other spaces and those survival mechanisms either function or they don't. And a lot of times they don't. And that's a lot of times where you have that aha moment, that awareness of like, this isn't how I'm handling. This isn't how other people are handling things or everyone else seems like they're able to talk. And for some reason I'm really not able to, and that Mm. having that awareness, like you guys said before allows us to decide and be intentional. Is this something that I want to change? And there are a lot of books right now out on unlearning, you're the parenting you received yes. so that you can parent differently mm-hmm. for your own oh, children yeah. and break those generational cycles because it, it really is something like you said that you, you don't notice yep. until you do. And yep. then, then you have the choice what to do about it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, yeah, I would just add to that too. Um, Cause that, as everyone was saying that you do have the choice to sort of break those generational curses, if you will. Um, and thankfully though, over time, over decades and decades of time, we have an ease of information that's mm. been happening. So again, the 1940s or 50s or whatnot, like the, the amount of mental health information that was there, the the language that was used. We, well, I know yeah. even as a kid, I didn't hear like self-care and those sort of things. It was right. just not <laughs> talked about. Um, but now our kids <laughs> or everyone has TikTok and we have social media and we have yeah. so much mental health information. So there's really more of an opportunity to receive more information and to recognize it does take, you know, time, if you will, but to recognize, wait a minute, some of these approaches were not healthy, right? Growing up, but some of them were. Um, So, so that's definitely up to the individual, but there's definitely a lot of ample opportunities um, to change all those sometimes hard, of course, (laughs) when different generations have been doing it. Yeah, I think, I see all of the resources that are available now and I wish that I had that when I was a kid because I come, I come, yeah, I come from a family <laughs> where mental health did not exist. It anxiety was not a thing. I, I was told have, you know, take a deep breath, have a glass of water, go for a walk. You will be fine. And then suddenly I'm a high school student and I'm like, I'm having these really big feelings going through some really deep things, this is not something that's being fixed by taking a drink of water and and taking a deep breath and going for a walk. And then I realized, you know, now we're, we're so lucky to be able to have these conversations. And, and I'm, I feel lucky when I have go to have kids in the future, I can take how my parents raised me and change that to raise my kids in the way that I want to raise them where mental health is talked about and it is a conversation that's brought up at the dinner table and they have that safe space. I I want nothing more than to be able to provide that for my family one day, but it's amazing all of the resources that are out there, especially with with Instagram and TikTok. I follow some pages and I'm like, wow, I wish that person specifically right? my therapist because yeah. they resonate so deeply. And my favorite one, I think it's um 
I'm sure you all probably follow her, the holistic psychologist. I think that's that's her. I've page. seen some of the posts. I've seen yes. some of those posts. She's yeah. like one of the most viral ones, and she talks yeah. a lot about generational trauma and like you are not defined by your family, you are not defined by your past. And anyways, I could talk about her forever. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm resonating with that very deeply. But all that to say. You all obviously are very selfless individuals. You care so deeply about your patients, your clients, your families. I would love to know how you all practice self-care in an industry that is so heavily devoted to the well-being of other people. It can be hard. It can yeah. be really hard. You learn in school about compassion fatigue and mm. you don't necessarily understand it until you have it, until you're yes. seeing so many clients and and holding their stories yeah. in a way that it, it weighs heavily on you. Yeah. And I know you all have heard it before, but the idea of you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. And <laughs> and it rings true as a mother, as a partner, as a therapist. And so you really do need to set boundaries. I am a huge proponent of boundary setting for your own wellness and mental health. And mm -hmm. so in my personal life, that means that I see very few clients during the week. I see usually maximum of six. And then I'm home with the kids and I'm writing the stories to help in the way where I'm not having, basically the books allow me to help people on a bigger scale than if yes. I was in therapy sessions. And it also allows me to help in a way where it's outsourced and, and I'm not having to take on some of the stories that I was hearing when I was working in community mental health. Yeah. You also have to be able to compartmentalize and say, okay, this is my work and I'm leaving it here and I'm not going to bring that home with me, which is easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and then having good colleagues to consult with, following, mm. all, following all HIPAA laws so that you're protecting privacy and confidentiality, but talking about cases to where you can brainstorm or let off some steam, um, express what you're challenged by, all of that can be really helpful. Yes. Yeah, for me, it was, well, I always say it's a journey. We're all on a different journey mm -hmm. um, when it comes to our self-care. And I definitely in the past have not been good at all with self-care because to your point, I know you're mentioning growing up and it was the same thing, like, although, which we, we still do sort of neglect kids. We say, oh, they're so ambitious or they're so this, but they're driven, but to what point? And we don't look at their mental health yeah. because we care so much about the academics, right? So that, that was my sort of upbringing, like, go, 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 get all the good grades, like, never mind your mental health. So right. I carried that, I carried that into college and grad Ugh, school, and yeah. just terrible self care. But it really wasn't until, um, yeah, till when I had my son just having a newborn and recognizing for me, I was like, okay, there's no way that I'm going to add this extra role to my life of a mom on top of having a practice and all the other things I was doing and not taking care of me because I cannot show up as a best version of who I am to anyone, right? If I'm just so stressed out. Um, so I, I just really, I believe every one of us needs to work on making a, a true commitment to self-care. So what that looks like for me now is um, usually my top three things are like exercising, making sure that I'm taking care physically of my body because my schedule is so hectic. Um, also I started this last year, but every single morning, as soon as I wake up, cause I used to go straight to Instagram, I will disclose. Um, but now mm -hmm. as soon as I wake up, um, I just take some time for me. It's spiritual, but I take some time with God and think about in that day specifically, what am I grateful for? Like one thing. Yes. So not just oh, like family, God. friends, but like specifically one thing in my day. That's how I start every single morning. And that's been life-changing. Oh, um, and then my other... Good. 
my my third thing for um self-care is is making sure to spend time with my son he's 10 now um but just playing with him and just having fun um is is just yeah a real stress reducer for me so those are my self-care things that i do yeah i love what you said about having a daily practice of gratitude that's something i'm really trying to to implement and Mm -hmm. having that first thing in the morning too i'm so tempted to immediately go to my phone and scroll, but taking that time to, if you are spiritual to, to pray or to meditate or to just practice gratitude in the little things, I think sets the tone for the rest of the day and really, you know, gets you on the right foot. And I would say for me, um, one of the things that I try to do, um, and I do it sometimes in the morning, not every morning, um, but have that conversation, uh, with God, um, and throughout my day, I call it my walking and talking, <laughs> walking and talking with God. Like, that's just something that I do. Like, if there's something that comes down on my mind, if it's a client or whatever it is that's going on in my life, like, I'm just talking like, OK, like we having a whole conversation. <laughs> and um, but that allows me to release. Um, and also, um, like Christina said, I do um, connect with other colleagues um, and consult on cases as well. And for me, I don't know, I have like this out of sight, out of mind syndrome, I would say. And so if it's not like right there in front of me, like it, and I just feel like that that's a piece that that's been given to me. That is uh, amazing. I am not constantly con- worried and worried and worried, you know, session after session. If I was to hold all of those things day after day, like that wouldn't be healthy. You can't and- carry those burdens. Yeah, I'm able I'm able to release and uh, and I have people ask me that all the time. Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you listen to those stories all day um, and still be able to be sane, you know? Um, And so that's kind of how I do it. I mean, mine is more I don't because I work from home and I'm I'm doing a lot of virtual. I'm trying to balance out my speaking career as well as my you know, with seeing clients and balance that out. I would like for it to be 50-50, but working from home, I mean, there's no leaving the work and coming home. Right. Just leave no one to go to the next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's been, a, that's been a challenge. When I hear self-care, I just, boundaries are like my first go-to. Mm. Boundaries oh, yeah. with myself and boundaries with others. Um, it, it has been a struggle with it throughout my career. I'm getting better at it, but I still struggle with it. I think, you know, you want to help. We're in this profession of helping others. And sometimes we don't, that balance is not always 50-50. So um, checking in with myself, checking in with my emotions, how am I feeling? What do I need? What type of boundaries do I need at at this time? Do I need to delegate? Do I need to rest? Do I need to take a nap? Yes, because I can't pour from an empty cup, like Christine yep. said. Like if yeah. I can't, if I'm not full, I I'm I'm gonna feel it. My clients will feel it, and it's not fair to me, and it's not fair for my clients. So um, boundaries and it, those can look solely different each day. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was my word for 2023. I had two actually. I try to pick a word and set a theme. I'm not like super into the New Year's resolutions. I'm more so just like coming up with ideas and ways to to better myself each day. But when I made my vision board, it was abundance 
and boundaries. And I have been working so hard to practice that. Mm -hmm. And it is hard. That is nothing prepared me for some of those difficult conversations, but it's, it's good to do that and to implement that practice in our day-to-day lives. It's not something I was raised and taught how to do. I'm still learning all of that, but boundaries are that's really hard. <laughs> it is. It's like a muscle, right? Yes. The more you do it, the better you get at it. It doesn't yeah. necessarily feel better depending on who you're setting boundaries with. But yeah, we can set boundaries around our time. We can set yes. boundaries around our energy. And that is, I totally agree. That is definitely self-care. Yes. And like Dr. Hammond said, our basic needs. Yeah. And this is what we tell our clients too. So we like yeah. I know we all try and practice what we preach. You know, yeah. if, if our nutrition is not on point, if our body movement is not on point, if our sleep is not on point, we're gonna struggle. It's yes. just gonna make yeah. everything that much harder. So paying attention to those things is really key. And I love, love the mention of gratitude practice and what my husband, he's like this model of of great self-care. In the morning he wakes up and he takes a cold shower. And then he, in front of the mirror, recites several things that he's grateful for oh, while I'm cool. scrolling on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> in my warm bed. Yeah. But in the evening, we try and go around the table at the dinner table and talk about what we're grateful for and not um, general gratitude, but something yeah. that you noticed in that in the day that you were mm-hmm. like, oh, thank goodness, or oh, that yeah. was really good. And so for me, it might be like, wow, my kids played really quietly for 20 minutes. And I was so grateful for that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It, it can be the little things and noticing those can really help boost your self care as well. We were just talking about that on an episode a couple weeks ago about the importance of celebrating the small victories and the little wins, and how no matter what industry you work in, that will take you so far. Like I, I was having a conversation. I can't, I think it was, it, honestly, what I think it was one of our real estate panel episodes mm-hmm. with a couple of realtors. And we were talking about celebrating the little victories. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I woke up this morning and I brushed my teeth. And for me, that is a big win today. And we are celebrating yeah. that. And tomorrow yeah. that victory yeah. might be, world's bigger I might close a big deal at work or you know have something really amazing happen whatever but I woke up and I brushed my teeth and today that we will celebrate that yeah. and use that yeah. inspiration and that gratitude to carry yeah. us throughout the rest of our day and into the next yeah, yeah. and I, I wonder if um self-care is generational because I was listening to Dr. Ooh. Oh yeah saying you know like you were just taught to push 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 and keep going yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we lose sight of caring for ourselves. Like that's not like I got to get this done. You yeah. know. Yeah. I remember being in graduate school. I would be up all night trying to get those assignments done. Like it wasn't no sleep. You know. Yeah. This assignment, dude. You got to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I wonder. Well, wait, if yeah. Definitely. Sure. My final question before we wrap up for today. Are there any mental health or wellness resources you'd want to share or recommend to our listeners? Yeah. I mean, we all mentioned talking about boundaries today and um, set ba- is it set boundaries, find peace. The Dr. Nidra Tawab, her book is fabulous mm. um, to toot my own horn talking about boundaries. Mm. This is my first kid's book is the not so friendly oh, friend, how oh. to set boundaries for healthy friendships. Um, I think, any, like, it's so Googleable these days, right? Like Dr. Hamlin was saying, everything's at your fingertips. You can, you can find resources if you just, if you search for a topic that you need, but on Instagram, I really like, if you're a parent, 
Dr. Becky at Good Inside. She is breaking generational cycles and helping parents learn what gentle parenting is or conscious parenting without being permissive. Yeah. Um, Modern Mommy Doc, if you're a working mom, she helps take you, I think she says, from conflicted to centered. And she just helps normalize the challenge and gives you tools along the way. Um, And then if you're in a relationship, Gottman, I think go find their Instagram or their website. They've got courses and information and it's just so valuable and really, really helpful to improve relationships. Love that. I think um, some resources I would recommend as well are um, the American Psychological Association or um, NAMI, the National Association on Mental Illness, because a lot of questions that I often get is like, how do, like, where do I find a therapist or how do yeah. I find someone? That's a very common question. So websites like that have easy ways, put in your zip code, you know, what type of therapist mm-hmm. you're looking for and can connect someone to a mental health professional. Wow. Um, as far as staying uplifted, which I always preach all the time, just trying to make sure we stay uplifted, um, following apps or even online um, like the calm app for yes, love that. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. any other type. I, I mean, I follow all sorts of things on Instagram, but like good news. Um, I think it's called good news movement. Um, but just things like that, because we're so inundated with the negativity of the world, if you will, mm-hmm. but trying to make sure you connect also with apps that are uplifting that have positive stories, um, can be helpful as well. So those are a couple I would recommend. Yes. Great resources. And I'll just say that you can also utilize um, Google has what they call Google alerts where you can type in um, like if you're interested in things on gratitude or, you know, whatever subjects you're interested in, you just type it in. And whenever there's an article or something that goes out on it, it'll email you. Oh, wow. Your inbox. I I didn't even know that was a thing. I think that's I'm going to go set that up right now. Yeah, yeah. you can put any topics in there and it'll alert you. It could be daily affirmations. It could be, you know, whatever it is that you're interested in. Whenever someone writes something on it and submits it, then it'll pop up. Wow. Any other? I don't have any other resources to share. The ones that were mentioned before are all great resources. Yeah. The Calm app was was my favorite when Dr. Shakita, Dr. Nakisha um, mentioned that one. I was like, oh, yeah, I I like that one. Um, But, yeah, I don't have any other resources. They were all Yes, lots of really helpful ones. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you. Can I I add in real quick? Yeah, please. Um, Another two that I thought of while you guys were talking and sharing great resources were, if you're in the US, 988 is the new phone number for the Mm. National Suicide Hotline if you need support. Um, I believe you can text or call that number. And um, because I work with moms, that's what's always on my brain. But Postpartum Support International um, is a really great organization their website is postpartum.net and um, not only do they have loads of resources and virtual online support groups but they also have a directory of therapists who are trained in perinatal mental health Um, because a lot of times when moms are going through whatever is happening for them postpartum they're concerned about admitting any of their thoughts or feelings at fear that a therapist who's not skilled in their in perinatal mental health might call child protective services on them um, whereas perinatal specialists understand what is and is not part of postpartum yeah. and um, they they just are able to help and so they have a directory of those sort of specific wow. therapists there that's incredible yeah great resource 
Well, thank you all so much for being here today. What a truly inspirational and eye-opening conversation. I know our listeners are really going to benefit from this. And what a great way to just have healthy conversations about mental health and break the stigma by continuing to be open and, and transparent on the internet. I think that's amazing. I'm so inspired by each of you and I can't wait to see what this year has in store. Thank you. Awesome. Thank, you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much. much.